the following, a podcast dedicated to two words Jesus used to change the world, follow me. He used it then and he uses it now. What does it mean? Does it define the boundaries of our relationship with him? Come and join us as we explore follow me in the following. Welcome to the 2019 version of the following. We've been away for a few weeks uh, on family holiday, and we're back now, ready to go. Uh, we're listening to a piece of music called uh, Hopeful Journey by Scott Holmes. I found this piece of music at a place called the Free Music Archive, which gives you some idea of the kind of budget I have to do this program. Uh, Kitty and I have declared 2018 to be our analyst horribus, the horrible year. We had uh, started out the year by cutting her index finger very deeply and had to have a micro nerve surgery done on that and, and her mother passed away and I had a couple of serious falls due to Parkinson's and Kitty's had another operation and so we just decided to draw a double line under 2000. Uh, 18 and, and start 2019 uh, in hope for a better year and I, and I hope that you're doing the same look forward to continuing our investigation uh, of Jesus call on us to f follow him as he says to each of us follow me Hopeful journey. I want to do a little thinking about that before we launch into the following again for the year. That instrumental piece written by Scott Holm, who we just heard, reminds us uh, that hopeful journey describes the journey of the follower of Jesus Christ. When we first began to follow Jesus, it was in response to the promise, promises he gave. The focal point, the end game, the final destination was eternity with him in heaven. And everything we are as followers of Jesus Christ is leveraged on the hope that we have uh, in, G in Jesus Christ. Now, to be sure, there are many more particular promises that Jesus gave us that we'll take a look at in the weeks to come. When you commit to follow someone, there is some destination in mind. When Jesus called his disciples and us, for that matter, he called us to follow him to the place where He we can be with him forever. John 14, Jesus talking to his disciples says, Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. What 
that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way that I'm going. Now, Jesus, first of all, said, look, don't, it's going to get, he's saying it's going to get pretty freaky here. Don't panic. Uh, Don't let your heart be troubled because I've promised you uh, that in the end game, we'll be together. And and, uh, if it were not so, I would not have told you. He leveraged his whole person on, on that promise. Thomas comes to him and says, Lord, how do we know the way? How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, "Um, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Uh, And and at the heart of of a a discussion of following Jesus is the way, because that's what we're following, is the way. Not geographical way, but the spiritual way, the character way of following Jesus. This passage takes place in a time of rising intensity. The situation was difficult and on its way to being dire. Jesus wanted to remind the disciples of the big picture where they were all headed, keeping their eye focused on the promise of eternal life which sustained them in times of trial. Hopeful journey. That's what we're on. Generally, the concept of hope in our world is viewed as a wish. I hope I get a blue bicycle for Christmas, or I hope I win the, uh, the Powerball Lotto, or... I hope that person likes me, or I hope I never get cancer or Parkinson's disease. Oh, it's too late for that one. Uh, that kind of hope, it's like the feeling that exists between uh, putting the, between the beginning of a horse race you've got to bet on and the end. That, that feeling of um, exhilaration of what possibly could be, you hope it is, you wish it is, you hope so. But that's not biblical hope. When the Bible speaks of hope, it speaks of the deep sense of assurance that God will do what he promised he would do. In the Old Testament, there's a story about a man named Abraham. He was an old man married to an old woman. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Bible says that God Almighty came to him and said, Abraham, I'm going to make a covenant with you. Uh, and here's the deal. You and your wife, Sarah, are going to have, be parents of a great nation. Now, have I mentioned the fact that Abraham and Sarah were, had no children in spite of the, the God said that the, behold, my covenant with you is with you, and you shall be the father of multitude of nations. They didn't have any kids. They were they were old, uh, very different days, but they're not that different. In fact, a little, little while later, the Lord sent three heavenly visitors to uh, Abraham and Sarah. And uh, while Sarah was in the tent preparing refreshments for, for their guests, she overheard one of them say, "When I come back in a year, your wife Sarah will have a child." The Bible said Sarah reacted this way. Since Sarah laughed and, after, and said, "After I'm after, said after I am worn out and my my Lord Abraham is old, shall I have pleasure?" In other words, uh, you're kidding me. I'm old and worn out, and he's old. We're going to start, you know, having pleasure and uh, doing the things necessary to have a child. Shall I? Uh, shall I, will I really have a baby now that I'm old? Now we're not going to spend a lot of time with all the details of the story, but it goes to show us how the biblical hope works. In the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul uses Abraham as, as an example of the fact that God will do what he promised he would do, and that is the basis of hope. Speaking of Abraham, Paul says, Hoping against hope, he believed that he would become the father of many nations, according to what was said. So numerous shall your descendants be, He did not weaken in faith, and when he considered his own body, which was already as good as dead, for he was a hundred years old, or when he considered the the barrenness of Sarah's womb, 
No, he gave glory to God, being fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Hoping against hope, he believed that he would become the father of many nations, according to that what was said. So numerous shall your descendants be. No distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in faith and gave glory to God, being fully convinced that God was able to do what he promised. And God did what he promised. They had a, a child, and that child is, is believed and, and uh, re- respected as a, a, a spiritual giant in all the Christian uh, uh, religions of the world and all the Jewish sects in the world, and, and even Islam accepts Isaac as a historical person. That's hope. That's God's kind of hope. God said it, and the fact that fact propelled Abraham to the realization of the promise given him strength to keep on it's interesting where hope comes back comes in the stack of virtues and how we accumulate hope paul says therefore in romans 5 therefore since we are justified by faith we have peace with god through our lord jesus christ to whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand and we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of god not only that we also boast of our sufferings knowing that sufferings produce endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained the access and the grace in which we now stand. And we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. Not only that, we also boast of our sufferings, knowing that sufferings produce endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us. You get it? Sometimes you've got to read them twice to, to get it. I remember as a child, a couple of times every year, we would receive a Sears catalog. Sears was a big department store. Um, it'd come in the mail. Sears catalog was kind of like Amazon in printed form. It was a massive thing, about three inches or seven and a half centimeters thick. It was loaded with everything that you can imagine. Every time the Sears catalog showed up, I would spend hours coming pages and beginning to hope many of the things in that book would someday be mine. That hope was based, well, really on nothing, really. That was hope the way that hope is commonly conceived. That, however, is not the kind of hope that is the nature of our following. I had no basis for the hope. I would acquire the treasure in the catalog. That was just a wishing The reason following Jesus is a hopeful journey is because the outcome is based on the promises of God. Again, Paul said to uh, one of his spiritual sons, Titus, he said, Paul, this is the start of a letter, this is how he starts with the greeting. Paul, he identifies himself, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ to further the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of truth that leads to godliness in hope of eternal life, which God, now listen, catch this, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time, and which now, at his appointed season, he has brought back to life through the preaching and trust to me by the command of God our Savior. The hope we have in Christ is only hope because it's based on something that he said, that God said, and God doesn't lie. What defines our journey is not the circumstances we find ourselves in, but the promise that God gave us through his Son, Jesus Christ. We also boast in our suffering, Paul says, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. And hope doesn't disappoint. 
One more passage, and then we'll kind of wind up for today. Peter talking to first century Christians, encouraging them. Many Christians that initially thought Jesus would come right back again from heaven. And so the longer he was away, the more the believers needed encouragement. And Peter wrote this in his first letter. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And then into an inheritance that is imperishable and undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, even now for a little while you have to suffer various trials, so that the genuineness of your faith being more precious uh, than gold, that though perishable is tested by fire may be found to result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Although you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with an indescribable glorious joy for you are receiving the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So Peter was saying, you know, you're, you're kind of even more special than those of us that, that knew Jesus. Because even though you haven't seen him, you still believe in him. And he's the source of your joy and your hope. When I was in the pastoral ministry, I had people come to me who were in all manners of problems. Uh, everything from uh, naughtiness to, to sickness to relationship problems. Uh, and, and many of them came with a verse that they'd heard and were claiming it to, to make everything go away. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven says, For surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for your harm to give you a future and a hope. And I believe that. But people forget, don't take into account that that the, that was spoken to the nation of Israel who had just been taken into captivity by the Babylonians and were going to stay there for 400 years. So God was saying, you're not going to get out. The pressure's not going to be let up. You're going to have to do your time for the rebellion of the people. But I have a plan. And so he asked the nation of Israel through the generations that were born and died in, during that time of imprisonment to hope. God had a better result in, in mind. And that's the hope we live by. We're on a hopeful journey. And sometimes it, it looks very chaotic. Uh, I look at the events of the news today is, and the, thing, the things I thought were absolutely certain are in disarray. But we have a hopeful journey because the one we're following is leading to the place where he's called us to be and we want to go. Hey, have a great week. God bless you and keep on the, the, the following.
When the howling storms of doubt and fear assail, by the living word of God I shall prevail, standing on the promises of God. Standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Saviour. Standing on the promises of God, standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Saviour, standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, standing on the promises of Christ the Lord. Bound to him eternally, my lost strong cord, overcoming daily with the Spirit's sword, standing on the promises of God. Standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Saviour, standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, standing on the promises I cannot fall, listening every moment to the Spirit's call, resting in my Saviour as my all in all, standing on the promises of God, standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Saviour, Standing, standing, standing on the promises of God.